I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Cassillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy May. Happy uh, a bunch of our players are going off the NFL week. Happy, you know, I guess if you're Andre Sisto or or Fito uh, Melifanu, you're very happy this week. Yeah, I mean, to them, very happy. I would assume that Trill going probably where he wanted to go, um, just in terms of opportunity available. Big plus for him. Uh, Nolan Cooney also ends up on the Saints, and both of them will be able to compete for roster spots. And, you know, it doesn't always work that way uh, where, where you end up in a really advantageous position. And, and realistically, like, I think both of those guys have a real chance to make that roster despite being undrafted free agents. Yeah, I thought, I mean, I thought all four guys, to jump into it, I think all four landed in really advantageous spots. Uh, we talk about a fair amount, like, probably more so in the NBA, but in the NFL, too. Um, getting drafted by the right team is something you have like very little to no control over. Obviously, Trill and, and Nolan did have more control as undrafted free agents, but that has its own issues. Um, but you have no control over really like what who takes you, and just falling to the wrong team um, can have real like serious ramifications. And uh, I think all four of the guys landed in places. I mean, Sisto's almost. I mean, he'll probably start. <laughs> like they they have very little talent in that defense. So if he doesn't start, he should be playing a lot. Um, Melifanu, I think, will probably get playing time. The Lions are also pretty talent, uh, you know, not super talented on the <laughs> defensive back side. Talent uh, deficient. Then, talent deficient, I think, is what I was looking for. Um, the Saints don't have very many cornerbacks that are, like, worth noting and trill. Um, I think his special teams work will really help him. Um, if you can make a make a dent on special teams, like, you're going to have a much easier time uh, fitting in, both as a, you know, wh- whether he has the ball in his hands or if he's, you know, a donner or whatever. Um, I, I kind of I feel pretty good about him making a team, even if it's not the Saints. And then Cooney, I know the, the Saints also are gonna probably have a puncher competition. So if he, you know, he just has to beat one or two guys out, uh, obviously that's not it's easier said than done, but he'll definitely have a shot to do it. So I think all four really um it worked out for them. I think it was a good weekend for all of them. Yeah, I mean it was weird that Melifonwu dropped as much as he did, to be honest. And and I did feel like some weird cornerback stuff, like the Cowboys taking that dude that was like a sixth round pick projected right before him. No, the Giants like moving up, like to pick corners instead. Like there there, there was just a lot of random things that happened. And I felt like iffy falling as far as he did, like I know no two players in the same team are related, but it did seem like it was a harbinger of like Trill stock, maybe not necessarily being what we thought it was. And that's not a knock on trail either. It's just whatever scouts are emphasizing. Um, the fact that there were so many teams that needed corners in particular, um, you know, could either help or hurt. And I think in this case, like might've just been tough because there was so 
especially last year's tape. Last year's tape is just so hard to figure out um, for a lot of these scouts. Obviously, they didn't have, um, you know, the traditional combine. Um, pro days were kind of lackluster um, for a lot of guys. So, it, I mean, again, at the end of the day, I think all four players ended up in good spots. All four players could really make a roster. That'd be great um, to have, you know, four additional players in a roster. It'd be comical to have, you know, a tenth of the league almost have a Syracuse player as their punter. I, I think we need to push that number. I think we just need to just get punters on every team. <laughs> I see nothing wrong with this. I mean, we're not that far away from having, because realistically, I know I said this in my article on uh, for Monday um, about players that could be picked next year. Uh, the only two really obvious ones um, are Andre Schmidt, if he decides that he's done after four year, after four seasons, and he could be. Um, he's somebody who, like, I know kickers aren't picked with all that much frequency, but I feel like he'd be near the top of the list. Uh, despite the fact that he doesn't do kickoffs. Uh, so maybe that changes for him. Um, the other one would be uh, Garrett Williams uh, for 2022. And he's someone who will be eligible, um, even though he's only technically a redshirt freshman. Um, he redshirted. Then he had last season that doesn't count towards eligibility. And this would be his third season on campus. Uh, I, I think Garrett showed a lot um, of what he could do last year. Obviously, I think he'll be avoided a little bit more this year. Um, as they maybe try to pick on whether it's Deuce Chestnut or somebody else in the secondary. Uh, Garrett's now the established entity. I, I, I think, though, even given that, I, I think that he has ample opportunity to jump to the NFL next year um, if he so chooses. And as much as that'll be a bummer and a bit of a crisis for us on the roster standpoint, uh, I also think that you know it, it'll only help Syracuse's selling point in the long run if you end up with, let's say, four defensive backs in two seasons. Um, end up in the NFL. I think that'd be a great, great pitch. Um, and they're already like in the process of, of of making that pitch as it is. Yeah, you can't like like honestly, intelligible at this point. You can't complain about the opportunity presented to you by getting a lot of your players into the NFL. Like you should be able to take advantage of that, or you have much bigger issues. Um, and I agree. I think Garrett. I think this year will help Garrett because um, obviously there were there were injury issues, but also playing opposite Iffy, he got uh, a lot more looks and was just so good. Um, I think this year's tape will go a long way, even if next year he's avoided and and is uh, kind of treated as like a, a guy you don't want to attack. So, um, yeah, it wouldn't shock me at all if he if he is in this spot next season um, after the the year he had this year. You know, maybe we luck out and he gives it one more shot to try to really raise his draft stock. But uh, I think the Syracuse. I mean, there's a lot of talk about the Syracuse defensive backs this, during the draft. Um, Lewis Reddick went on this long like love letter to Iffy, like a couple, <laughs> like he had a couple concerns, but like. It was a really long diatribe about how good he was. Um, Sisto, obviously, everyone knows the whole thing with him. I think he would have been drafted higher if he wasn't hurt. Um, there, uh, there was that run on safeties, and I think he might have like been legit early second round pick. Um, yeah, it's just uh, it's impressive, and even even I saw a lot of people talking about Trill as like as the as Saturday wore on, um, and fans of numbers number of teams were like, "Oh, this is a guy that we're we really want in the cornerback." spot so he he was getting attention even though he didn't get drafted um and hopefully he'll continue to make a name for himself but it, yeah it only helps and you can't complain about like oh we lost our talented as the nfl it's like yeah well that's kind of the whole thing <laughs> like that's that's the goal for them so you need to be <laughs> able to, to sell this and move forward and continue to improve because of it um so hopefully we have the opportunity to do that this year um we'll see yeah, I think fans in general have kind of come around to the idea at this point that that it's the players so don't owe them anything even like, like five years, years ago, ago. There are guys, like individual guys who leave early, I think will still get some heat if it seems like ridiculous that they're leaving. It's more more basketball thing, honestly. Because football, I think guys kind of leave when they're ready. Um, well, they also more, have to stay three years anyway. 
Yes, and there that's the other factor. Um, but like it does, it, it's it's turned around a lot in the last ten years. It's just all 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 player pro player stuff is just taking such giant leaps forward, and that's a part of it. Even though that's like a way less you know quote unquote controversial or hard to digest thing for people. Um, but it, it, I do appreciate it because I feel like we were on this thing like in two thousand nine, beating the tables about like it's okay that. It's okay that Dion left after being, I guess that was like 2011 or 2012. It's okay that Dion left after being a bench player. Like, it's fine. We're going to be okay. Or that Johnny left. Like, I mean, you and me have had numerous conversations on this show about how it's fine. And I definitely think like, you know, the, the conversation around all of this has shifted significantly. I think part of it too is that the, the voices that aren't on board, I think have also been like kind of muffled a bit. Um, where, where they used to be more prominent in media and the conversation points around college sports. I think you're seeing a lot of either those people change their minds or those people just not really be given like the same airtime they were. And even teams and coaches, like you can't have Nick Saban's not going to go complain about guys leaving early. I don't even remember if he did back in the day, but he certainly isn't going to do it now um, when like his whole selling point is if you come here and even if you have to wait a couple of years to play, you're going to get to the league. Um, and then, you know, you have every team's Twitter account, Instagram account, whatever, selling the draft, selling the the path to the draft is like this big part of the program. Um, it would just be so, I mean, I'm sure there's a college coach out there who's still doing this, but um, it's, it's a really tough needle to thread when it's like a huge pitch. You like, who's going to want to go play for like the cantankerous anti players leaving after three years when they're clearly ready guys. So it's, it's just, it's shifted so much. Um which, you know, it's a good sign. I think overall, obviously, we've taken these giant leaps forward in player empowerment and player rights and everything else. And, you know, we're going to see even more when the NIL finally passes uh, probably in the next year. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a good thing. Uh, and I think I'm, I'm glad that uh, as a Syracuse fan, people are coming around. I'm like, no, this is something we should celebrate. This is the whole goal. Um, hopeful, and and if you do, if you do it right and you... Uh, do the right things as a program, like it's going to benefit you in the long run because one, you know, one third round safety begets, you know, hopefully however many second round safeties down the road. Like it, it should just be kind of a spider web thing where you just add more talent as a result. Oh, completely agree. So Dan, I think that kind of has a good segue for us uh, here. The other player who, well, he's other player in the, in the uh, basketball front, who is trying to play elsewhere um, or go to the NBA would be Quincy Garrier. Um, it was kind of shocking news uh, late last week when it ended up that Quincy uh, was definitely leaving and he wasn't just leaving uh, for the NBA as we kind of figured, but while he was testing out the NBA waters, he was also going to be looking into transferring. Um, I think, I think while I don't want to like completely hit the panic button, I think that there's a lot of, problems with program construction going on right now that doesn't mean that jim has lost it that doesn't mean that jim's not supposed to have the job anymore that just means that it's very clear that this is more than just like the turnover that everyone's seeing this summer well off season in general um and that if a guy like quincy is seeing a successful season and a pretty good one statistically um you know as not enough to want to stick around at Syracuse for another year and, and get in front of scouts and all that. Like, and, and he, he'd consider, you know, going somewhere even like Western Kentucky, maybe <laughs> like to, to play. Like, I, 
I don't know. I'm just there might be there might be some other considerations with Western Kentucky. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Shout out Rich Stansberry. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just sort of confused as to like what exactly we're doing here, and like realistically, when you look at the construction of this team, like without the guys that we know have left already, it's not a super athletic group, and I I I, I don't want. I feel like we're increasingly going to put a lot of weight on the play of Benny Williams. And while I think he's up for it, it shouldn't all fall to him. And like Buddy Bayheim hitting threes when the rest of the team is like, I wouldn't say question marks, but there's definitely not much else in terms of a sure thing on that roster. No, it, it's absolutely troubling. Like when he went, when 20, when we assumed he was just an elite for the NBA, like as we just said, you, you can't blame a guy for that. Even if he doesn't get picked, he's 22. Um, he, you know, there have been kind of rumors here and there for both of his years. Like, he was definitely had his sights in the NBA. So, if that was his thing, like, even with Alan Griffin, like, you know, he's going to go do his shot. And obviously, I think he has a, a pretty, you know, it's it's going to be a real hard climb for him to get to the into the NBA draft. But, like, that's his choice. You know, best best of luck to him. Um, the fact that Quincy, at 22, is still willing to come play college, potentially, just not for Syracuse, like, that's, that's really troubling. Like, that's... Right. Like among the more, uh, aside, I'd say probably aside from Kadari, like the more trouble, the most troubling thing that that has happened in this whole transfer thing. So this whole like uh, series of transfers. So yeah, not a huge fan. Um, wish that wasn't happening, uh, but it, it seems at least pretty. I mean, there's no reason why he wouldn't get the kind of attention he's getting, considering how good he was, especially for the first half of the year. Um, and if like he thinks his path to the NBA is aided by going to Alabama or to Western Kentucky or to uh, one of these other schools that have reached out to him. Like that's just not, that's just not a great sign for, for the, the way that the Syracuse program is being viewed by the players within it and by uh, potential people outside of it. Like this, it's hard to, I don't see how you argue it is. So hopefully, you know, he does whatever's best for him and you, I, I don't feel any ill will towards him, even if he goes somewhere else hopefully not to someone that we're going to play. Um, but it's, it definitely uh, says some things about uh, the Syracuse state of the Syracuse program that I think we've been kind of hinting at and have, have thought about a bit, but this is like a real glaring example. Yeah. I mean, realistically, like between those two things and uh, I know there was in the Oklahoma last week, uh, Woody Newton had mentioned like, it kind of lost trust for, for Bayheim and the program you know, after he really wasn't getting a ton of burn after COVID, like, I, I think that that could be seen in a vacuum. That's just, you know, one player, it just didn't work out. Uh, at the same time, though, like, I think with players willing to speak more about their dissatisfaction with opportunities and situations when they leave now, and, and not necessarily worrying about a blowback to that while they might have even five years ago, I think you're starting to see a little bit of a pattern and some problems here um for just su in in, in general um and and the fact that like you know maybe you know maybe kids are are fooling themselves into thinking that like you know the the gruff guy you see on tv and the 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 curmudgeon you see on tv um in a press conference is like isn't the guy you're going to get as your head coach um like in the room and like realistically like no knock on jim but it is like, 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 like he is that guy and maybe more and more kids have fooled themselves and thinking otherwise. I just think that like, it's clear that there is a little bit of a player retention problem this year. And we're not the only team dealing with that, but 
I think we're running out of, I think we're running out of like quality selling points. I, I guess if we're not going to be able to pull in, you know, top 20, top 20 or so groups of talent, if we're not going to be able to really do what we need to do in the, like realistically, like we've over, we've over like played what we've been able to do. We, we, we found a way to be better. And, and, and part of that's a credit to Jim um, in, in terms of the fact that we've, we've, you know, overplayed our seed. We've done better in the tournament. We've, we found a way despite having, you know, one top 100 player last year to still make it um, and not even be in the playing game. Like we've done some positive things. So I don't want to take away from that, but I, I do feel like what we're looking at right now is this weird kind of middle ground where like, we're not super good and we're not, super bad either but the zone is really what's kind of keeping us around um in a place that otherwise like our talent would necessarily dictate that we'd be yeah no i think that's totally fair um it's just like i i think there's stuff in college sports is changing so fast and you can't be the team that gets left behind even if it takes like a couple years like you you have to be up with it and it just seems like we're you know a year or two behind on the uptake of like this is how you get players to stick around. This is how you get them to trust that uh, you have their futures in mind because that's ultimately what it's all about for most of these guys. Maybe not all of them, but most of them are, it's about getting to the NBA or at least giving yourself the best shot. And like if Woody Newton's willing to go on the record and be like, yeah, I just, you know, I was playing pretty well. And, and then I stopped playing completely. Like why, I you know, why would he stay? If, if there's no guarantee he was going to play, more on next year's team, we probably would have and hopefully should have. But like, I well, especially totally when everyone thinks that a coach's other son is coming to the team, right? And like, who knows if he would have or wouldn't have? But like, I don't know. You just have to. There has to be some kind of adjustment. Uh, I and I don't think like I don't think it's impossible for him to do it. We've seen him adjust other things. Like we've seen him adjust to the wide open three point offense. We've seen him vacillate back and forth between that and like a slowdown offense. He actually does that all the time. Um, he he. Uh, you know, uses things to the strength, uh, changes the offense at least to the strength of his team. Um, presses more some years, presses less some years. Like if he's willing to do that with his roster, um, more so than I think he probably even gets credit for. There's no reason why he shouldn't be able to adjust playing time, even if it's just a little bit. And like find someone on the staff to be the good cop, like Hopkins used to be. Get people just like have an open line of communication so people know where they stand and if they're in the plans for the future. Which I have to imagine you know, he thought he planned to play Woody Newton more in a year or two, like make sure the guys know that. And like, you'll still lose some because that's just the, the, the way of the world now, but you have to, you have to have players feeling good about where they are on the team. Even if like, that's not something you had to worry about so much before, like, sorry, that's just what, what college sports is now. So like, if you want to have a better team, you need to have everyone bought in and, and it's and knowing that they're going to have their fair shot to be a true playmaker and at least like kind of hedge some of the some of the damage here because you know maybe we can afford to have this kind of year once obviously the one time transfer exception uh, or the one time after year exception for covid is is i think definitely making this worse for most teams but like i don't think we can afford to lose like four or five guys every year like that's just not sustainable well, and then you bring in more in fresh big, we're not bringing in big classes either like realistically we that can't too. just keep like, scra- like, like like no offense to Marek, but like he was a bit of a like, you know, Euro scrap heap guy that like, we're like, oh, maybe this works out and it ended up working out really well. But like, you can't keep banking on that working like no, over and no. over again and, and remain a top 25 caliber program. 
Yeah, it's you're just walking such a. I think like what comes down to a lot of this stuff between like the regular season struggles and you know relying on these tournament runs with the zone just like befuddling people. We're just a lot of what we've done in recent years has just made our lives more. We're, we're like walking a high wire when like in 2012 we were you know the cock of the walk and we were a, a one seed and you don't have to worry so much about like tricking a team in the NCAA tournament. You're like, oh no, we can just go beat them. And obviously the zone was great then too. But, like, we could also just outstore you, and we don't need, like, Buddy Bayham to get, like, superhuman hot for a month. Um, we were just better, like, than most teams. And that was a lot – that was a much more fun experience. As much as I like these tournament runs, and they're great, especially coming off seasons where you didn't expect much, uh, considering, like, you know, up and down play. Not, not selling them, not giving them back. But I had a much better time when we were, like, winning 30 games in a regular season. Like, that just – to me, that's a better experience. And maybe that's, like – you know, maybe we're not getting back to that, but at least at least like get closer. Because if we can have these tournament runs, I think we can we can find a way to get the players here to then also have like reasonable, you know, top top third of the ACC finishes, and and the tournament runs then were you know twenty twelve twenty thirteen we went deep in the tournament and it wasn't just like some you know magic we pulled off. Like no, that team was those teams were just really good. Um, so yeah, it's. I just think like all of this kind of comes down to the same thing where you just want to give yourselves more opportunities to be like a top tier team because ultimately in the tournament, those are the teams that end up winning almost all the time. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Like, like it, the the miracle runs are fun. They have their perks, but the only people that remember those teams are us. Like, the only people that really care about that at the end of the day are us. Like, are, are recruits happy that you made the Sweet Sixteen? Sure. Is it? Good though that you lost ten to twelve games every season. Like in advance of that, probably not. Yeah, and 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 like, and I think that you know, as fans and media, we probably just need to work on taking ourselves out of the like, you know, oh, this is entertaining. Look what we did to everybody and ruin everybody's march again. Conversation and look at it realistically from the outside. Where like, plucky is not a great selling point like for a kid looking to win a national title or being on a big stage before going to the NBA after a year or two. I'll take plucky when we're like down, like I'll take sure. plucky versus just like a bad season, but I also want to have the good season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, 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 like that was kind of what we like signed up for with Syracuse is that like we, we were not gonna like, we, we don't have bad seasons. The plucky seasons are the exception. Yeah. Plucky seasons have become the rule. And, and that's, that's the issue. Yep. So hopefully we figure that out. Hopefully Beheim, yeah, he'll never admit it. And that's fine. I don't care if he admits it. Um, really? Like, this is his thing. He'll, he'll complain about something. He'll say he's right. And then he'll go change it. And hopefully he will also do that with his roster management. Because that's been his kind of whole thing for 10 years now. Um, and that's okay. Like, I, I, I don't need Jim Beheim to come admit to me that he was wrong about something. It just, like, doesn't, it doesn't matter to me that much. Just, just, just do it. <laughs> uh, we'll notice. <laughs> we'll notice when we stop losing a bunch of transfers and guys are playing a little bit more. There you go. 
Well, speaking of things that, that make us drink, um, Dan, <laughs> what, what have you been drinking lately? Uh, I had a pretty busy weekend. I uh, was down yesterday at Evil Twin. It was a, a nice day out here in New York. Um, Evil Twin, the the original uh, Ridgewood location. They're opening a second one in Brooklyn as well, so that'll be exciting. But this is the OG one. Um, had a bunch of good stuff. Probably had too many sours. Uh, I should have probably mixed in some non-sours, as eventually those will, <laughs> will, will contribute to uh, some some internal issues. But uh they were all very good because evil twin just made like some really great creative stuff um had uh nobody wanted the middle seat anyway uh off the top which was a double try hopped ipa uh citra mosaic uh and galaxy uh hops um had some some strong citrus notes uh then had probably my favorite one which i ended up buying a four pack of the uh to the milky way and back uh sour or I, milkshake ipa um which has a really really nice kind of uh base of like a kind of mandarin orange flavor um with some passion fruit in there and then it also has uh some milk sugar and some vanilla so it's like a really not quite cream sipperly but has like a it, i mean it drinks like a smoothie um and then also the stay at home et stay home 18 uh which it really drinks like a smoothie um pineapple peach passion fruit banana and that one they have a bunch of different versions of that uh and then also i had a, a stout and i now forgot to check in on it untapped uh but there was a stout, which I will think of, and it's really great, uh, and I feel bad not giving it its due. Um, but I will get to that in a second. All right. Uh, on this end, I had, had a couple friends up now that everybody's vaccinated. Uh, we got to just hang out, grab some beers. I had from Hermosa Brewing, uh, Happy Happy. It was a hazy IPA from them. Uh, I had from Highland Park, Timbo Pills, that I've mentioned numerous times in the past. Uh, Sign of the Horns, a uh, collaboration between Highland Park and Beechwood that I mentioned last week. It's a West Coast IPA. And then a double dry hopped, yeah, yeah. It's a Imperial Hazy IPA uh, from Highland Park as well. And then I had uh, from Celador, uh, they have Jackson Ranch, a wild ale of theirs that they uh, age in high west barrels. Uh, that one was very, very good. Um, really nice rye wild ale. Swung over to Smog City yesterday, had a Hazewell with others, another hazy IPA. Uh, really enjoyable and refreshing one, too. I know those don't always uh, go down enjoyable or refreshing, but um, in this case, very much did. No heartburn, all in all, good stuff. And then in my uh, my, my annual trip into uh, random things you wouldn't think I'd be drinking, had a uh, Topo Chico uh, exotic pineapple heart seltzer yesterday, and let me tell I feel you, like, <laughs> I feel like I Topo Chico popped up here in the last week, and I it just blindsided me. And now I see billboards everywhere. I have people have talked about it, and it like I was aware of the brand generally, and it seemed like it just had its moment recently. Well, because they got bought in, like five six years ago by Coke, and then Coke okay. wanted to get in on the hard seltzer game. Because they're like, oh, this is a carbonated beverage. We got to be in on this. So then they're like, let's just make it a Topo Chico thing instead of Coke so that people don't just see like Coke hard seltzer and like wave us off. That's uh, smart. Yeah. So then. A big, powerful brand did a smart thing. Who, who, yeah. I can't believe they found how to sell them. <laughs> so then this Topo Chico uh, exotic pineapple is fantastic. They, they did a nice job here because it's like it's light on the flavor. So it, it doesn't go for sweetness. It goes for like, oh, you like. You like seltzer. Let's go with a little. You're going to taste a little bit of alcohol, but mostly you're going to taste a little bit of fruit. 
on top of that. So it tastes super refreshing, really enjoyable. I would highly recommend um, the exotic pineapple in particular. Definitely, uh, definitely a good one. So the stout was uh, from Evil Twin, the Cuvée de Candy Bars Royal Treatment Pastry Stout, which was sitting at 13%. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. Uh, they brew it with uh, a bunch of candy bars, coconut, candied peanuts, marshmallow, and vanilla bean. It is, like, th- one of the better versions of, like, a-, a legit chocolate stout that you've had. I'm sure it, you know, it's very thick. Um, 13% is masked crazily. Like, I-, I didn't realize it was that alcoholic until someone mentioned it to me. Um, really delicious. Uh, and I also, I didn't have a full one, but since we're talking seltzers, uh, Evil Twin also makes their own crazy seltzers. Um, I tasted a dragon fruit, passion fruit, marshmallow seltzer from them, which was really, really good. Um, yeah, like the marshmallow made it really interesting because it has like a marshmallowy finish. Um, kind of like takes out the the sourness and the bitterness from the from the, the fruit. But yeah, their seltzers are great. Um, they do a lot of very, very creative things with those. So highly recommend if you're in the uh, Brooklyn slash Queens area. Solid. Yeah, I usually, I feel like there were a lot of local spots trying it out. I feel like a lot fewer of them have of late uh, for the hard seltzer. It was big for like two years where yeah. like craft places were doing it. Some have been, I think, the mixed results, but I, I do think like the whole thing is kind of here to stay, though. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I don't think necessarily the like I wouldn't say necessarily that the like that every single brand that's doing it is going to keep doing it. No, some will find success and they'll keep on doing it, and others will just be like, "All right, well, that was fun. We got it on the boom for a second. Yeah, like I mean, you can't have this many. I mean, especially like this year alone, like. Uh, you know, Mike's Hard, Michelob, and uh, Topo Chico all rolled out new stuff. And, like, that's just from, like, macro brands. <laughs> like, on top of the, like, already, like, laundry list of brands that had done it. Yeah, I just don't think, I think people are pretty locked in on, like, if they're, like, you know, if they're White Claw people or they're Truly people or, like, maybe, like, a, Toco, a Topo Chico comes in and, like, does some interesting stuff with it. But, like, you can only have so many, like, how many macro beers, like, really contend? Like, it's only, it's probably, like, less than 10. Like, it's it's uh yeah I, I i agree i think it's done a ton of level out to where you kind of know what you're getting and it's gonna be like kind of like a uh bud cores miller thing yeah it has to i mean like i guess there's like there'll be like a rolling rock equivalent <laughs> or or something like that but uh th- th- that's a that's a conversation for another podcast that's that's a that's a deep summer we might need it who knows um <laughs> dan I, I guess even, oh, go for it I was say, if we lose any more players, I think we're done. Maybe, maybe not women's basketball. Who knows with them? But I think the men are done, done hemorrhaging players. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we don't need to do a full booze podcast. But maybe we shall see. Uh, more things that make us drink. Um, Syracuse men's lacrosse. Yeah, where I'm not going to provide any speculation on the Chase Scanlon situation because just from a journalistic, but also just like a legal standpoint, I don't really think it's smart to. Um, there, wait, there's nothing like it. there's nothing really for us to add there. Like no. people know like what's out there at this point. So, so educate yourself if you haven't already. There's plenty written about it. We wrote about it. Um, I think there's some issues maybe with how John Desco and the program have handled it. Uh, but in any case, uh, they did not handle things well um, on the field over the weekend. Twenty-two to eight loss to Notre Dame. Uh, a lot of the things that have gone wrong all year, continue to go wrong. We've been just, you know, drubbed to hell 
um, numerous times this year. We've also won some like a couple games at least. The Virginia games are really all that's like booing our entire uh, you know NCAA tournament resume. So that's nice. But realistically, like we're kind of we're kind of on the fringe. It's it's not ideal. We've got you know a, a game against Robert Morris, so that's fun. But realistically, like this is this is a team that probably gets in. But I I it's such a bummer compared to like what we went into this year thinking that like this team is going to be lucky if they win a game. Yeah. It just seems like it, they're just too inconsistent. Like obviously they've had good moments. I almost feels like obviously the Stanley thing aside, does that, I, I almost reacted less to the Notre Dame game because of everything that's going on with the program. And like, it's kind of natural for them to have a dud and unfortunately it came at a really bad time. Um, but at the same time, like they had a really inspiring game against Virginia so um, I don't know if we just have their number or if that's you know signs of this team can get up to that level but early, I, it just feels like that Duke game that that Duke overtime game where they came back they had this like furious comeback they almost stored that huge win they gave it up the end at the time I was like you know that's a disappointing loss but you you hope that this was like something that did the team out of like they just played with one of the best teams in the country at Duke they took them to overtime they almost had like a all-time comeback and you would hope that would have sparked them and in Instead, it seems like, I don't know if that was like a, a contributing factor to like the general letdown of the last couple of weeks, but it's hard not to identify it because outside, as you said, outside of like the Virginia games, obviously they beat, they beat Albany, but that's, that's, is what it is. Like it's been rough. The two Notre Dame games were, were, were absolute blowouts. The, the UNC game was an absolute blowout. Like it's, it's tough to see this team as a real factor given their penchant for like it's just not great when you can just go lose a game by 10 plus goals regularly. Like it just doesn't stream team. That's about to make a lot of noise. Well, I guess the other question here is that, and it's one that's been rumbling, I think for many seasons now, but I think it's coming to a head this year. What do you think about John Desco's long-term like abilities here? Because I, I do think that between like this, I mean, like this conversation doesn't happen if they win at all last year in all likelihood and that team looked like they could have, but Desco's teams have been pretty inconsistent um, and increasingly. So over the last few years, it's been harder to attract talent. It's been harder to bring in like transfers that truly work out um, like in the big scheme. I, I, I think that it just seems like there's been too much. There's been too much uncertainty about this program for too long, considering what it is. Um, compared to the rest of the sport. Like we haven't made a final four in a decade. Like that's not well, almost a decade still. That's not like an acceptable thing. <laughs> and, and, and I don't want to sound like, you know, just like irrational fan, just like, Oh, well, Syracuse lacrosse should be in the final four every year. I don't, I don't believe that anymore. Uh, I think the sports changed too much. I think it's become very, very difficult to do that for anyone, not just SU, but like, do you think that Desco's kind of, like, like, is he face? Is he staring down, like, the end of his legacy here, or at least the end of his tenure? Um, or do you still think there's more time? Um, I'd be surprised if he was fired this year. Um, and also, it, again, like you said, it's really tough because we just don't know what would have happened last year. Because if he wins the national championship last year, and they would have been one of the probably one or two favorites. I mean, we've joked about like they should just hang a banner. Um, they were so good last year. It, it, we were having none of these discussions um, outside of like the, the off field stuff. Um, it's just, you know, you can, you can very much afford a, a, a post championship hangover, um, especially like once you seem to have gotten everything back on track. Um, 
But now it's it's a the struggles, and then also the fact that Desto seems to have kind of been the like quote unquote fall guy for this for the Stanlin stuff. Like it's it's kind of hard to divorce those two now um, because of how everything's been handled. Uh, and again, we don't want to like speculate too much, but just like they really let Desto kind of go out on that on that issue um, and just kind of take it himself. Uh, so that plus, I, I imagine he did that with the confidence that like wild hack isn't going to fire him over the team's performance this year. Um, but it, I mean, it still doesn't look good for anyone involved. So it's uh, yeah, it, it's, it's really hard to know. There's just so many factors that are beyond just like what's happening with this team. Um, I almost think like the, the, the more, you know, I think it would almost be more uh, realistic if he just like kind of retires or something, but um, I don't know. I, I expect him to come back next year and, and that'll really be a make or break, but it, it seems like we're getting to that point where like something we just need, we just need like some real uh, tangible improvement and all. And, and unfortunately like 2020 was pretty clearly like what that seemed to have uh, been for us. And, and it was pulled, the rug was pulled out from under us from because of COVID. So yeah, really, really difficult. It's, it, it's just so complicated because of all of these different factors that are, you know, some of which have everything to do with lacrosse, some of which have like just nothing to do with lacrosse. Um, but it's been kind of lingering out there for a while. I, I still think it's, if we're just talking lacrosse, I, I think it's probably premature. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's, it's extremely complex. Yeah, I agree. And it's definitely, this is not going to be the end of this conversation for anybody, us included. Um, we'll see what happens in the postseason. Uh, speaking of postseason, do want to kind of close out with a, uh, a little bit about the women's lacrosse team, which, you know, big props to them for what they were able to pull off um, last week. Uh, team really kind of closed strong. Uh, I mean, they played great all year. Uh, but since that 17-6 to loss to North Carolina, uh, one by five against Georgetown, by three against Virginia, a 10-goal uh, win against Albany, beat Louisville in back-to-back games, 19-5 to and 19-7 to scores, both on the road. Um, and then after a heartbreaking one-point loss to Boston College, they followed that up two days later with a 16-7 to win. And the ACC tournament, a uh, great defensive effort against Virginia Tech, winning 9-4 to in the first round, um, a 19-7 to win against Boston College um, in round two. And then in the uh, final game, unfortunately, a 9-4 to loss to North Carolina, but vast improvement from that first 11-goal loss. And realistically, like the defense greatly improved. And this all... Um, happening without, you know, arguably the team's two best players all season. Uh, well, at least most of the season. Uh, Megan Carney recently went out, and she'll miss the rest of the year. Uh, this team is extremely, extremely good. Um, and I think, you know, especially compared to, like, the men's team, it's like there's, I think in the last couple of years, or at least this year in particular, you've seen this team really coalesce around um, the talent they have on the roster and come together. I think last year's team, too, looked like a Final Four-bound team. I think this year's team as well. Um, looks like a Final Four bound team and a team that can win it all if they don't face North Carolina in the championship game. And it, I mean, if they do, like, there's a certain obviously women's across like the teams that are great seem to rise to the top most of the time. Um, we've had trouble with like we've had trouble getting over the hump because it's so often you're playing like the best team in the championship or in the Final Four. Um, but I, I think when we talked about basketball, we've talked about like men's lacrosse. Um, all you can really hope is to is for year in and year out you're giving yourselves the chance to compete for a national championship and while there's definite frustrations over the fact that the women's lacrosse team hasn't quite gotten there yet 
like there's just no better example of like at some point the dam's in a break or they're in a debt one they, they're just in the conversation every single year uh, this year included this year included even with like significant significant absences um and they're playing great lacrosse right now so i i'm excited for them uh the fact they've beaten bc two of these last three is really encouraging considering bc is really good um and the fact they played north carolina so tight you know, it'll be that'll be a tough matchup if they face them in the final four, if they face them in the national championship. But uh, I think they're in the position again. They're in the position to to play for a title. Um, they may or may not get there, but like this is probably the most consistent team on campus. I think that's pretty uncontroversial uh, to say. <laughs> um, yeah, so I you know hopefully this is the year. But uh, you know there there's so there's complaints about Date uh, and his salary and et cetera, and these are like you know decade long issues now. But they're they're in the they're in the talk every single year, and that's what you. That's what we that's what we complain about and we hope for the other big teams on campus. And this is like the model for it. Like and at some point I, I fully believe they'll break through at some point. So yeah, I, hopefully this is a year, but we'll we'll find out. But it's been uh they've been exciting when I've ever I've caught them. They're they're a good they're a good time. And that's always been the case. They're they're pretty they play a very good brand of uh of lacrosse. Um even when some other teams uh some other championship teams of years past don't. So <laughs> I also appreciate that part of it. They're on some uh, big ten shade. Yes, um, out there for I, sure. I was at Evanston and and uh, college uh, college uh, park. park. Yeah, and college station. Texas I was at college A&M. station. Texas I was A&M's at college point. Brand new West. Yeah, A and M women's lacrosse. Get get it together. You play awful. You play an awful brand of the sport. <laughs> um, Kevin might take exception to the uh, the conversation point you had about the most consistent team on campus. Um, That's fair. There, yeah, the cross country is also great. Uh, this is, and also, uh, since I, it, I, it also has won a title. Yes, at field hockey as well has won a title in in very recent history. Field hockey's kind of struggled to keep it up of late. Not, I mean, this yeah. year in particular. I think. I mean, I think that the 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 conversations cross country and and uh, women's lacrosse. I think is pretty clearly um, one of the two. Yeah. Also, shout out to the, uh, the tennis team. Tennis made the NCAA tournament, so uh, that was announced. I think as we started the podcast. Yeah. Way to go, tennis. We'll be sure to get something up on that. Um, but yeah, while SU women's lacrosse has been consistent, um, the ACC schedule is just kind of a bear. I mean, even it's, probably more so than the men's schedule is just because there's more teams and they're all very good. And, and they're all still good. <laughs> and they're all still good. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's like, oh, we just added three more and, it, and, and it's, it's still just as much of a bear. Um, SU hasn't made the Final Four since 2016, uh, something that most people probably didn't realize. Uh, but before that, uh, five straight Final Four trips uh, for them. They made it in six out of seven years. They made a championship in 2012 and 2014, uh, but unfortunately uh, have not been able to get over the hump. I think they've actually, like, at this point, like outlasted like a couple different dynasties um, or, or, or would-be dynasties in women's lacrosse, um, and they've managed to kind of stick around here. Uh, they've made every tournament since... 2012, uh, they missed the 2011 tournament, but realistically they've been a fixture in NCAA tournament since 2000. Um, fixture atop the ACC, fixture in the mix for both the regular season tournament championships. I mean, this team, I thought last year that, that that team looked like a title contender. This one does too, to be honest. Like, and again, I think it's North Carolina is really the one that, that, that could bite them. I think for the most part, we'd be able to avoid BC uh, for a bit in the NCAAs. I know getting to the um, tournament championship and beating the teams we've beaten this year, uh, we're going to get a top three seed. That means we get a bye. Uh, Things are looking very good for this squad. I, I really, really hope they can, at, the, at minimum, get back to a Final Four. 
I, I think, again, that was another team that was bitten by COVID last year that would have been in contention like the men's team. Um, but yeah, I think Final Four is a, a good, realistic goal. Obviously, you want to win it. But, uh, you know, if we get back to the Final Four, I think everyone should be pretty happy with where things are, especially considering the abs- the, the, the injuries and the absences. Like, the, the, to overcome those is no joke. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the injuries in particular, like, again, arguably your two best players out for <laughs> out for a significant amount of time. Like, not an easy thing to overcome, and it's a testament to the amount of talent that uh, the case brought in here. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, Dan, I think that's uh, they wrap us up today. Uh, do you have any other uh, any parting thoughts for the for the folks at home? No. Uh enjoying the Mets like little bounce back here over the last couple of days. So hopefully they continue that. And uh, no, I, you know, hopefully the, the spring sports move forward. Hopefully we get some, some good lacrosse out of both teams. Um, and then, yeah, just going to enjoy the, enjoy the nice spring weather here and uh, move on towards something more close to regular life. Hopefully knock on wood. Yeah. And very much like that. You know, I have some travel I'm looking at. Um, Same. Nice to, yeah. Nice to be able to just get out uh be safe not endanger other people or yourself um if you haven't been vaccinated and have the opportunity to do so please 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 go do it yeah please do it for yourself for your neighbors um it's definitely a worthwhile endeavor and and this podcast will will tell you that unlike maybe other podcasts um that would tell you otherwise (laughs) i i really don't know how much crossover there is between (laughs) those podcasts and ours but sure I agree. There are others that would say no, and we're like, we're both vaccinated and we're good. So, yeah, everyone, go, uh, go join. The, come, come join the club. I, I would, on, I would bet there are more Joe Rogan listeners um, that also listen to this podcast than you would think. <laughs> That's fair. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> no, uh, no, no, prob- no, not probably. to, no, not to the Joe Rogan listeners. The millions uh, and millions there. of you. Yeah, the millions um, and millions of you. So there's probably a pretty fair cross section. That's uh, fair. Yeah, yeah. D- d- there's almost definitely me- a couple. Don't tell people not to get vaccinated. Like, unless you have a health reason uh, to not do so. Um, I'm not telling you what you should do. I'm just saying, realistically, it would be wise for your well-being, honestly, and and, and others uh, to get vaccinated if you can. And at this yes. point, I feel like so we're we starting to see the appointments dome. out there. Yeah, exactly. You want, want to go to the Dome? The you dome want to watch a game? I want to go to the Syracuse Rutgers game. It's on my birthday weekend. I want to go up. I want to have a reasonable amount of people there and feel good about it. So yeah, do it, do it for me. Do it for my, my 31st birthday. Yeah. That's, that's, that. that's my message to everyone. <laughs> yeah. Do it for that. Do it so that you can watch Marvel movies in theaters. I don't know. Just, yes. Whoa, whoa, whoa. All these things are good. So, so you can see your parents, your grandparents. Also important, I guess. Yeah. All, all, all the things that should be priorities. <laughs> anyway, uh, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you everybody for listening to Troy News and Absolute Podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Megaphone, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, and go orange. Go orange.